You may have noticed higher prices for food, electronics, textiles, pretty much anything that's made overseas, which is most of the stuff of your day-to-day life. But did you know nearly half of imports to the United States go through the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach? They're the largest ports in the U.S., but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a humongous backlog of ships stuck at sea just sitting there with all their cargo that's made imported goods more expensive. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the L.A. Times. It's Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. The wait is so bad at the ports of Long Beach and L.A. that even President Biden is now taking action. We need to take a longer view, though, and invest in building greater resilience to withstand the kinds of shocks we've seen over and over, year in and year out, whether it's the pandemic, extreme weather, climate change, cyber attacks or other disruptions. Biden is opening up America's largest ports 24-7, but could that make the backlog worse? With three months until Christmas, toy companies are racing to get their items onto store shelves as they face a severe supply network crunch. Walmart and UPS are among retailers and shippers pledging to unload goods during off-peak hours. The commitments being made today are a sign of major progress in moving goods from manufacturers to a store or to your front door. So let's unload all of this with three of my L.A. Times colleagues. Chris McGarrion covers the White House. Don Lee covers the global economy. And Margot Roosevelt is a California economic, labor and workplace reporter. It's a full container of knowledge here. And now I'll stop with my Stevador jokes. Everyone, welcome to The Times. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Good to be here. Margo, we'll start with you. Since you're there at the ports a lot because you cover labor, describe them for listeners who've never been there. It's an amazing sight to go down to the waterfront of Los Angeles and Long Beach. You have hundreds of cranes. You have thousands of containers coming off of these cranes. You have trucks zipping around. You have rail yards. You have trains coming in and out. You have containers piled five feet high all over the place. I mean, it it is just like the most giant Lego set you've ever imagined in your entire life. And you have thousands of workers going in and out and working there. My dad used to be a truck driver, so I'm somewhat familiar with it. it. You're right, Margo. It's just incredible. So you have thousands of longshore workers, right, who are unionized. And then you have thousands of truck drivers coming in and out, most of whom are not unionized, most of whom are immigrant Spanish speakers, for the most part, you have the longshore workers who've handed down these jobs from generation to generation. And it's there's often a lot of friction between the two groups. Don, so when and why did supply chain problems first start happening? The ultimate culprit here is the pandemic, right? The pandemic kept people indoors, as we know, and for a long time kept people from going out and spending money at restaurants and traveling and so forth. So what they did was they spent a lot of money buying stuff online, right? So there was a sudden sort of bulge of orders and demand and factories didn't have workers to churn out the stuff quickly. And then you didn't have the drivers and you didn't have warehouse space and you didn't have 
the ships uh, coming in and out and being unloaded. And so you've got delays and, you know, weeks and months in some cases. So delays of this magnitude are pretty extraordinary, but logistical issues at the port aren't exactly new. These logistical issues have been going on for years. I mean, there is the shipping industry has been building larger and larger ships, which have more and more containers to unload. The technology is very old. They've just been going on and on and they've gotten worse. Chris, what finally motivated President Biden to say, "Okay, we're going to open up the ports of Long Beach and L.A. nonstop for a while? So Biden's had his eye on this for the entire year. And earlier this year, he announced he's going to be studying this problem, which is a common thing a lot of presidents do. They see a problem, they put together a task force, they get everybody together and they study it. But these problems have lasted longer than a lot of people have expected. And it's not getting better. Uh, If anything, it's gotten worse. So we're going into the holiday season. And Biden basically said, we need to get everybody together and we need to do something. And Biden really can't do a lot. He's the most powerful person in the world, but he only has so much control over the global supply chain. So one thing he can do is get labor and business and port executives together to agree to run these ports around the clock. Well, let me just um, add to what Chris said. I mean, for Biden, uh, there's, of course, an immediate problem of you know, parts are more expensive and people are paying more, bidding up for things because there's a shorter supply. And that will affect the broader economy, could affect hiring, could affect people's expectation on wages. And that's a bigger concern for, you know, for the president and the White House, especially if this lingers and it goes into next summer. And as you head to the midterms, this is something that you don't want to see happening. Don, how will this change the way the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles are going to operate? For the ports, I mean, I think... If you can address the shortages of warehouse space and warehouse workers and and somehow get more truck drivers, I mean, those are all components. And, you know, the people at the ports, as Margot knows, will say, well, look, we can, you know, get more workers, longshoremen, and we can put, you know, people on 24-7. But if you don't have space in warehouses and if you don't have truck drivers to haul away the goods, then how are they going to be able to move these things from the ports uh, inland. It's not an easy thing just to call up workers and tell them, well, you know, work in the third shift or work weekends. I would add to that, and I just say it's completely ridiculous to think that this announcement of the ports working 24-7 is somehow going to change all the screw-ups that are there. I mean, the municipalities of, you know, Long Beach uh, and L.A., where communities have been blocking extra container storage Yards, they're not, you know, all the people who live in that area, they don't want more truck traffic, okay? They don't want more warehouses. It's not like you can snap your fingers and say, just because we're going to make the longshoremen work longer hours doesn't mean that there won't be long lines. It's just insane what's going on. We'll be back after this break. And we're back. We're talking to our three panelists, L.A. Times reporters Don Lee, Margot Roosevelt and Chris McGarrion. And we're discussing the massive delays at the ports of Long Beach and Los Angeles and how it's affecting the supply chain. 
Can I ask a Marco a question? Yeah. The longshoremen leaders agree to 24-7, right? Are they going to get the workers, the members, to come out on weekends and work the third shift? I mean, is it that easy to do? You just snap the finger and they'll be coming out and doing all this? So the normal shift for the uh, longshore workers are two eight-hour shifts. But there has always been the option, uh, which is exercised during peak periods, so, you know, usually the holidays, to have a third shift, which is a five-hour shift, which they get paid time and a half for. By the way, they earn a lot of money, the longshore people. So anyway, it's not just about the longshore workers. It's about the fact that, you know, if you're a truck driver or if you're a, you know, operating a rail line, you can't get your containers in and out that fast anymore because there's so many snafus. Chris, Margo was talking about the unions and longshoremen down at Long Beach and Los Angeles, and they're really powerful. They're not shy about stopping work if they think things aren't safe. Have they raised any concerns about how Biden's 24-7 plan for them is going to affect them? Uh, They haven't at this point. Uh, You know, the unions were actually there when Biden announced the plan. So it sort of remains to be seen how it's going to pan out. But they certainly were there in a show of support. And, uh, you know, more shifts for their workers, more more overtime, more paychecks. You know, those, those are all things that I imagine the union, uh, you know, is already looking for even before this announcement. And obviously, if you're going to have more shifts, more cargo, you're going to need more workers. So how is President Biden going to address this worker shortage? Is he finally going to unveil those driverless big rigs that the Simpsons predicted 20 some years ago? Uh, that's exactly the problem. There are no more truck drivers to drive these trucks. And, you know, he can't snap his fingers and get more drivers on the road, especially when it's up to the states to do the licensing. So this is uh, a big challenge and one that will take time to address over the next several months or or years. Margo, even with those plans, trucking companies classify most of those drivers as independent contractors, as you pointed out. And that means a lack of labor protections, no union, and makes it really hard to bargain for wages and benefits. And you've written about how this has played out in some class action lawsuits. What happened? Well, if you want to understand why there's a shortage of drivers, you really have to go back to the 1970s when they deregulated the trucking industry. Truck driving used to be a middle-class job. It was a unionized job. The Teamsters were in charge. The federal government went after the Teamsters, wanted to break the union, so they deregulated the trucking industry. So once it became a free-for-all with competition and all these trucking companies competed, the way they saved money was on labor. And the way they saved money on labor was to shift the costs to the actual workers so that now if you are an independent contractor, you have to pay for your own gas, you don't get unemployment insurance, you don't get rest breaks, you don't get meal breaks. It's become a terrible job. Sometimes it can pay a lot if you're an independent trucker and you've paid off your truck and maybe your brother or your wife is doing the night shift and you're doing the day shift. I mean, you can make money, but it's become just a lot harder. Is there anything else the ports can do at this point, Don? They're just going to have to wait for the pandemic to recede further uh, and be further behind us because as we have that, then the spending patterns will shift again. People will spend more on services and less on goods, and that will help ease the 
immediate uh, crush of orders and demand. And then, you know, shippers and others will adjust. And I think over time, it will just slowly improve. You know, the answer is really going to be time. So finally, for everyone, uh, will our podcast engineer, Mario, finally be able to get the PlayStation 5 he's been waiting for all year? Will he be able to get it in the next couple of weeks now? <laughs> you know, they're, they're adding a lot of planes and bringing stuff in by, uh, by airplanes. So maybe that'll be your salvation. Well, I hope you have a plan B. In other words, go for the Nintendo something or other. Or, or, or maybe, you know, kind of just like make something out of construction paper as like a homemade gift. You know, think, think, you know, real basic at this point. Merry Christmas, everyone. Those are my colleagues, Don Lee, Chris McGarry, and Margot Roosevelt. This story's ongoing. Please make sure to check out their reporting at latimes.com. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, The Times will talk about an alarming rise of newborns with syphilis. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Special thanks to Alan Zarempo. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news on this mother. Gracias.